Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and today, um, we're right now we're in the chapter on logical relations, and we've been talking a little bit about uh, higher-order encodings, because basically logical relations are, you know, one of the big selling points is supposed to be that they provide a way to relate um, algebraic structures for higher-order signatures, and so actually it's already of interest just to think about algebraic structures for higher-order signatures. And the question I raised recently was this, the idea of having a term model for an algebraic, um, for a signature with higher-order constructors, higher-order symbols. And this is actually um, uh, very difficult to do. I mean, in fact, I don't, I'm not sure exactly how one would attempt to prove that it's impossible, but it seems like it's impossible. Um, and the basic problem is that the function space of your meta language, like when you say, I've got a lamb constructor, that's the example we've been thinking about, that takes a term-to-term -term function, you know, that that's now, I mean, so, so you have this symbol, right, that says, it's simple type is, term, arrow, term, that whole thing, arrow, term. Great, that's just a type. But when you go to interpret this semantically, uh, you know, depending on exactly how you set this up, but more or less, you're then saying that um, the lamb, whatever interprets, whatever mathematical object interprets your lamb constructor, uh, it needs to be able to accept functions, meta-level functions, from your interpretation of the term sort of the signature to the to the same interpretation. So, so like it needs to be uh, this this interpretation of lamb needs to accept sort of functions from this the meaning of term to the meaning of term. And that function space, basically semantic term to semantic term, is is too rich to deal with in a sensible way, and it's not really what we want in a term model. I mean, I guess, you know, because we're basically looking for a term model with a higher order signature, we're looking like for something like you get in the Edinburgh Logical Framework, which I mentioned not too long ago. But you basically just have this function space is so weak that all you can really do is um, express the sort of boring functions that, that would be perfectly suitable for representing the body of an abstraction, right? When I say, if I've got, if I'm trying to represent the syntactic term, you know, lambda x, x applied to x, right? Then the, if I'm trying to do this with hard abstract syntax, I just want, I'm going to say that I've got the lamb, you know, constructor applied to the meta-level lambda x, you know, and then build the syntactic application of x to x. Okay, so we're kind of in this, like, mix of, a, we're in this sort of funny world where we have somewhat of a mix of semantic-level functions in with our terms, but that's that's kind of what we, we would like. I mean, as I mentioned recently, if you know anything about this sort of thing, you know, representing variables in a nice way is really quite difficult, annoyingly so. It just seems like it's just like this irritating problem that just kind of is hard to get rid of. Um, so the, the, the great promise of hard abstract syntax, which you can find in, in church, uh, church's um, original description of higher order logic, uh, you know, the, the great benefit of this higher order abstract syntax is that you just don't have to deal with these kind of binding issues, you kind of punt them off to the metal language. 
where you can sort of deal with them once and for all, that's fine. But then different work that you want to do, you know, formalizing languages that have binders, which is many kinds of nice, interesting languages, you don't, you don't have to sort of reinvent the wheel of figuring out how to represent variables. You just use the meta languages representation of variables. So, but anyway, but as we've seen, you know, the problem is that your meta language, unless you deliberately keep it really weak, which is what they do in LF, but then it's so weak that you can't really do anything interesting with terms, you know, once you've got them in your hardware and encoding, you actually need yet a different language. And there are several proposals out there for sort of languages with two kinds of function space, a really weak one that you use for this kind of representation, uh, representational matter, you know, uh, objective, and then a stronger one that you use for recursing over terms built with hard abstract syntax and the, and the Beluga language of Brigitte Pienka and her uh, colleagues there is an example of this sort of thing. Um, 12 is set up in a different way, and it's also an example of this. It uses uh, basically logic programming as the, the sort of more powerful um, form of programming over this really weak kind of a function to, that's given to you by LF. Um, so anyway, that's all very nice, but... Uh, my goal in the work that I'm trying to describe to you a little bit here over the air is uh, in this work from last summer, um, weekly initial, uh, I forgot what I called it again, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's from LFMTP 2019. You can find my webpage if you're curious. Um, my goal in that work, though, was I just want one kind of function space, but I, in my system, I don't like this idea of having several different ones because that just seems like you're adding quite a bit of complexity to your language. I'd just like to see if there's a way to use my existing type system to kind of control my one function space so that I can say with typing, well, when, I'm, when I've got my hired or symbol, like lamb, I don't want you to be able to just give it any old wild and woolly function. Um, I want to kind of control, and types are an excellent way to control the behavior of functions and how rich a kind of function you could write. I'd like to sort of control what kind of function it is and keep it in this sort of weak, uh, this sort of weak kind, and uh, that's um, that's what uh, the goal of this piece of work is. That I'm telling you about now. So let's get into the encoding or the you know technique here, and this really starting on. So this is basically you know yet another advanced lambda encoding, and the starting point for this is we should think about a Scott encoding for a natural number, because this is actually going to be sort of similar to that um, for encoding lambda terms. Um, we're going to encode application-free lambda terms, okay? So it basically just looks like we're going to encode those lambda terms that don't have any applications, so we only need a lamb constructor, which just kind of makes it simpler to explain and walk through. Um, so uh, the Scott encoding, let's start thinking about that for just for natural numbers. And, you know, so the Scott encoding, you're trying to, um, the number is encoded as a um, this polymorphic function for any type x you want. If you give the uh, number uh, a value of type x to use as the interpretation of zero, and if you give the number a function that takes in, now for the Scott encoding, it's going to take in a natural number and return an x. Okay, so you who are trying to compute a value from a natural number you have to supply a base case 
and a step case, but in the step case, you're given just the predecessor number, and from that predecessor number, you're supposed to come up with the value of the type X that you, you know, say you want to compute. So, uh, you know, there's actually a surprisingly, a surprising amount of interesting stuff to say about this encoding, but it's not our point to discuss it here. I just want to think about, you know, think about having a constructor that just takes in another value of the same type that you're working on. Because, because I mean, sorry, so think about um, in your um, your algebra, right? So, so all, these, all this lambda encoding stuff can really best be viewed from the point of view of uh, abstract or universal algebra, where we are... Um, piece of data is encoded as something that takes in a uh, an algebra an, uh, an X an algebra and produces something of the carrier value of that algebra so it takes in um, you know it takes in an, an algebra uh, whose carrier is some set X and then the net data is going to produce a value of type X for you simply by making use of the algebra to interpret all the usual symbols of your signature, you know, the constructors of the data type. So, uh, okay, so let's try to explain how this this sky encoding kind of leads us into the encoding for um, application-free lambda terms. So we have um, our algebra, uh, you know, so a, a piece of uh, encoding of an application-free lambda term Let's just abbreviate that lambda term. An encoding of a lambda term is going to take uh, in an algebra uh, over, uh, over some carrier X and return an X. Okay, now what does an algebra look like? Well, an algebra, to a first approximation, you'd say, oh, well, these would just have a lambda constructor. So the, the first cut approximation is to think about them saying, well, the, they just take in the body. Like an algebra would be given the body of the lambda abstraction and it then needs to produce a value of type X from that body. Now that's obviously woefully inadequate because we didn't say anything about sort of the binding structure. We just say, oh, just give me the body. That doesn't really make sense. So how could we, I mean, if we weren't going to do that though, right, we would just say, well, just give me another term. You know, so I'm recursively, I'm defining the data type of the lambda encoding of called uh, for a data type term and so just give me recursively another term here to my algebra and that's the body and then I'll produce for you my algebra is supposed to produce a value of type X from the body um, so we would use a recursive type we'd say term is defined to be this type that for any X given an algebra given an algebra for X uh, or returns an X where an algebra for X now says, um, give me a term. Okay, so we pass to the left of two arrows in the course of doing this. So we said, the, the type term is defined as a recursive type, um, some, uh, something that takes in an algebra, and an algebra takes in a term. We've taken in something and taken in something, and so we're to the left of two arrows, which means it's a positive recursive type. And those are wonderful because... They keep your type. They don't mess up your type theory. You they preserve your normalization properties of your type theory. So we um, having a positive recursive type is really great, uh, and so that's what we need, you can use for the Scott encoding. 
and that's what we're sort of saying the starting point here is. So think about my algebra is, is going to be given the body of a function and then is going to, has to produce an x. Again, that's not really terribly useful because where's the binding structure? Well, this is where this idea I mentioned in the first part when I sort of start talking about this in the previous episode comes into play. Um, I read this paper of Peter Selinger's that was very interesting. I forgot what the title was. Sorry about that. But um, in there he says to think of bound variables as indeterminates. I think it was like a lambda algebra, something about like algebraic view of lambda calculus or something like that. Sorry, I don't remember the title, but um, he uh, he says, let's think of bound variables as indeterminates. And um, as I understood it, like what that means is just think about when I'm, my body of my lambda abstraction, it's just another term except that it now has a new constructor it could use, which is the bound variable. So the bound variable gives me a new way to make a term. All the ways I had of making terms before are still in play. Well, at this point, we're just talking about having the lamb constructor. Um, but, all, but in addition, I get to add now a new constructor. Now, how do I say it's a constructor? That's kind of the tricky part. I, I want to say it's, it's just a thing, and I, I don't really know anything about it. Hey, that's what parametric polymorphism is for. <laughs> so I say, all right, my algebra, it's going to take in, um, it, doesn't just take in it doesn't take in exactly the body. It says, um, if you, uh, um, for any type Y, it, uh, we, we have a Y to the body function. Okay, so that's, um, you know, so the algebra has to produce an X when given, not just, not just something of type term, but something of type for all Y, Y arrow term, except now I don't want to say term because that was, um, I want to, that doesn't let me make use of this Y. I sort of want to say term where I could possibly be making use of that Y. And um, so the way I do this is to say, well, let's just say a term, the term type can take in, um, we, we define term as something that works for any type X, but now as sort of an abbreviation, let's say we have a, like a term A or something like that type that, that where you tell it the type X. So term A of X means this is a term that's going to compute something of type X for you. And so then what I'm going to say the body is that I pass in um, to my algebra, it's going to be something of type for all Y, Y arrow, term A, Y. I'm, term A is my like one symbol name for a sort of alternate version of term. And so that guy, uh, so there I'm making use of recursion here. I've got, I've got a recursive type uh, set up this way. Um, and that's letting me say that my body could make use of a new constructor. And I expressed that it's a constructor by using this um, polymorphism to say it's this thing of type Y. And that's this has to the body, um, exp, you know, has, has to work for any what y, any type y you want. So that enforces that I can't really do very much with that new con, so-called constructor. But that's not quite the end of the story, for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, if you were to try to nest 
lambdas, which of course you want you would want to do, each one is kicking sort of picking a new type for this new variable. The, the lambda bound variable is getting represented as something of type y, and then the next lambda you have is some y prime and y double prime, and these aren't going to be able to work together. So that seems like that's a total disaster. That won't work. Well, I fixed this in this paper by introducing, well, I think I'm introducing, at least I'm, as far as I know, I'm introducing something I'm calling a Kripke function space. And it's basically the idea that I want to be able to move forward any of my variables. So what I really am going to do is have not a for all y, y arrow term a y um, as representing the body of my lambda abstraction. I'm going to make that even a tiny bit more complicated to say, well, it's for all y, but it's not I do know one little thing about this type Y is that it's reachable from the type X that I'm in the in, you know creating having an algebra for. X is my carry my algebra, and so I've got I want to say that this new type Y does have a relationship to that type X. And the way I do that is I say that this body takes in it, yes, it's for all Y, and uh, it uh, it takes in an input of type Y, but that type Y that's quantified polymorphically here is um, it's something that you can map x to. So the, the final representation for the body is uh, for all y, x arrow y, arrow y, arrow term ay. So you take in a way to move from your old world, which is your old structure, which is, has this type x, into this new one, which has type y. And so that little trick lets you nest lambdas. And the last little trick that's needed for this um, technique is we need, um, actually, I think I'm going to have to stop and tell you what that last little piece of the technique is next time. Um, basically, it turns out that to make this all work and to have an actual higher order term algebra, we need the ability to change algebras, like a particular algebra may need to invoke a different algebra as part of what it does. And um, that's a little interesting little technique which I'll like to discuss in a part three about this paper of mine from 2019. Okay, thanks for listening and hope you're well wherever you are.